last time on Arch Enemies. This is, uh, there's critical information that Lord Zovarin has for you. Let's, let us attend him so that we can, we can get you all moving in the right direction. And he, he jumps up with an exuberance, betraying his age a little bit, uh, says, friends, thank you. It has been so long since I have seen you all, and I sincerely mean you no harm. I have great need of you. There is tremendous trouble afoot. I brought you here through an area of the world where the walls between our domains here in the Feywild and the domains that you roam in has thin. Yes. So she has an axe to grind with you, basically. I never said she has an axe to grind with me. I'm just aware of what the axe is. Okay. I'm aware she has an axe. And how many other people have you sent to uh, take care of her? Well, that's an interesting question. Only one. And has that person come back? Was that person Matrios? So Amante has, in her banishment, struck an allegiance with four hag sisters. Have I imposed any price on you whatsoever, my friend? I am not saying that you have. Yet. Of course, Alari, of course. Hold on. He sends the misty hand back, and this time the the hand comes back with a dagger that is looks to be made of a like a a emerald stained metal right it's like it's got like a, a greenish hue to it it and it is exceptionally sharp and zovarin says so this is a weapon great power my friend i, I am i'm glad that you spoke up and asked for it when you have communed with the weapon and properly attuned to it, you will find that any creature that has the that has this dagger either on them, as you do now, or in them, as one of your opponents may after you strike it, is in effect under an effect that prevents other other fey or celestial beings and anything not of your plane, fey, fiends, celestials, that sort of thing, from getting within ten feet of it. So while it's on your person, no none of those creatures can come within ten feet of you. But that's Are we settled then? Can we carry on with the plan? as I see it, and further assistance that I can offer you. What other assistance do you offer? The misty hand sort of swirls around the room again and passes over another box that's on the table and 
lifts the lid, and inside the box are four walnut-sized seeds. I said before that I have some knowledge of what Amante is doing, even if I'm not totally sure what their endgame is. I know the magics that she's using. If she has sought audience with these four sisters, I know vaguely the magics that she is tapping into. So what I would ask is that you journey to the realms of these four sisters, plant these seeds within their realms, and allow us, me, to gain more information on what Amante is doing. It will form a bond between my realm and theirs. That information would be critical in understanding what our next steps with this banished Fae would be. So you're saying we go visit them, we plant seeds, they probably attack us. How do we get from one realm to another? Once the seeds are planted, they will spawn a doorway back here. You'll be taking a little bit of the essence of the realm that I have crafted with you. Is there a special way or place they have to be planted? I don't know, to be totally frank. And my understanding of the magics is that where they need to be planted will be obvious when you see it. Sometimes even the fey understand that the fey magics are wild and unpredictable. We're wasting time. Let's get to it. Anything further that I can help with the rest of you, then? Do the sisters know we have the seeds? Will people be attempting to prevent us? The sisters are cranky anyway. They would would, uh, assume that you are any sort of interloper. And the question of whether or not the sisters know that you have that you are working for me or not really de- depends on how strong Amante is and whether or not she knows that we're working together. She probably assumes at this point that somebody is coming to stop her, but whether or not it would be you or somebody else is, prob- is probably unknown. So would they know you on site as working for me? No, but they would attack you nonetheless, whether you were working for me or not. Don't think that you will get out of this without any sort of... You won't get out of this unscathed, then I recognize that. I am doing what I can to help. Then what else do you recommend for keeping us safe? Defensive magics? Offensive? Expanded capabilities? Let me ask the question to you. What do you think that you would need to accomplish this? Beyond weaponry. I have not engaged with hags before. I do not know. What hurts Faye? Cold iron. The there truth. We go. There we go. <laughs> <clears throat> That's not fair. Maybe... Maybe, Candy, you would prefer something to keep you from being petrified and afraid, as has happened before. He kind of looks a little bit deflated. Zilvarin smiles, and the hand whisks away. I have something for you, then. (laughs) Knowledge would be beneficial. Do you have... 
scrolls or access to a spell book and the materials to scribe. Certainly, if there were a wizard among you, I could certainly help you. You are looking at him. I have many spells at my disposal, then. What would you like? I mean, something as simple as a cantrip. He kind of closes his eyes and starts kind of like doing the mental checklist. (laughs) Yep, yep. As you close your eyes, the misty hand comes back, uh, and in front of you drops a what looks somewhat rusted faceplate of nothing else. Something to to steal your senses from being petrified. You will gain a plus one on uh, saving throws against being frightened. See, more punning, and nobody appreciates this. <laughs> you know, a petrifying sword, stealing your... Uh. <laughs> Sad joke, huh? See, at least Kilvarix <laughs> is laughing. Will you say the words? It's a gift being given freely. Seriously, what? <laughs> so? <laughs> I think Nod. you should finish that statement. Relax, Candy. Again, it benefits me to have this taken care of because it benefits everyone to make sure that this is taken care of. And we're just day laborers who are cheap and dispensable. Great. We know the drill. You know what, Zir? A fabulous point. What if I sent as well two members of my royal guard? Would that show you some investment of my part? Other than trinkets? I don't know. Do I want to take orders? There's the point. They haven't been very useful so far. Savel will will snarf from across the room. If you would prefer not to have their company, then I won't force them on. I'm just, I'm trying to figure out how best to let you all know that I have skin in the game. They're pretty pleasant. I'm happy to have them along. Never hurts to have another set of eyes. Just when we're dealing with evil, whatever we're dealing with. Since you are already familiar with Savel and Triana, I will send them both with you. Yay! Has everyone got enough loot to save the world now, or can we go? <laughs> I guess. Alright. Then take the seeds. And I will do what I can to open a portal to the realm of the First Sister. What realm are we going to? By name or by... Again, withholding information that we could use or need. The realm's name is Tom, Candy. Does that help you? (laughs) It's a vague question, and I don't want to answer incorrectly as to impose fear that I'm not being helpful. So when you say what realm... What do you mean? Is it a sub-realm of the Feywild? Does the master of that realm craft its rules? Or does it obey the normal ones? No, it is not a sub-realm of the Feywild. And yes, the master of the realm crafts its rules. What rules can we expect differently 
from the realms. It's the realm of a hag, so expect corruption, evil, pollution, trickery. Or she could just like puppies and unicorns, you never know. It's entirely possible. You forgot the rainbows. <laughs> I kind of assume unicorns and rainbows, they go together. The first hag sister's name is Ebitria. Bet she never found that monogrammed on a sweatshirt. What nature of hag? When they get to a certain experience, they lose their distinctive flavor. However, she is a death hag. Kind of look quizzically at him. Master of the undead. Servant to Bulabora. When he says that, Kilvaris is going to grab his holy symbol and just kind of... Servant of him. Bulabora, who is uh, an ancient god of undead. Many gener- like many eons ago, and probably in a realm far different from, from the one that you know, but it's an ancient name. So any further information that I can provide so that perhaps you believe me that I am not being duplicitous? Yeah, I got one. Or withholding. Go ahead, Kilvarix. Where's Simeon and Doyle? Now that's an interesting question. Simeon and Doyle aren't here. They're back where they belong. Much like Kess and Zir are here because they were needed. The insinuation being that we are not where we belong. Oh, I think he means we're supposed to be here, but they weren't. But as long as they're safe, I'm happy. Do you guarantee? Absolutely. I only took who I needed. That's enough for me. And I can't guarantee again. I say again that fey magics are sometimes even wondrous and magical to those of us who work with fey magics all the time are wondered and awed by its implementation. So I assure you that when I triggered the events that I did that brought you here, I knew and had faith in those magics that the people that would come through would be the people that were necessary to complete the task that I was opening the portal for. Everything is related as you see. It's like when you're building a pyramid and you hire a hundred day laborers, right? Do you care about which mason it is that comes through? No. All that you care is that you have a mason. Much the same. The portal was a response to a, a task that was needed com- that needed to be completed. When the portal was opened, those who came through the portal were the ones that were needed to complete the task. Every time you pass through a portal, that might change. The very nature of the Feywild makes that a little aleatoric. Interesting. Just call me the Flying Tautology. See? Who knows? When you walk through the portal to go to Evitria's realm, it may not be the five of you that wind up there. Somebody else might be sent home. Somebody else might stay here. That sounds about par for the course. Welcome to the Feywild, Kilvarix. Hope you enjoy your stay. Not, not very likely. <laughs> if there's any further ado, I think you have what you need. I think so. 
Cass, you had mentioned that perhaps some rest would be valuable. Do you all wish to leave now, or would you be my guests for the evening and leave in the morning? Not that time has any real meaning. But I could make it morning if you wanted. I think it might be a good idea. I'll be happy to stay. A good night's rest would help. Fair enough. A good night's rest and a feast in the morning if I have anything to do with it. If it's as delicious as this shepherd's pie, I am ready. <laughs> Fabulous. Okay. You are all shown to quarters where nothing but amazing comfort is afforded you. And whatever that looks like clothes that are the most comfortable, a warm bath or a cold bath as you see fit, immensely comfortable bed, all that sort of thing, and you are able to really enjoy luxury beyond which you could imagine. There's a fabulous atrium to walk around. This is really a very lush and a safe and comfortable place, very much in contrast to the, re- uh, the rest of the realm that you have seen with that cold, misty rain and the wilds of the woods and everything like that. And then in the morning, after your long rest, as Zilvarin promised, a tremendous spread greets you in the main dining hall there with with eggs and sausages and bacon of 17 varieties. Absolutely. Whatever you could imagine that you wanted for breakfast is there. And so mushrooms prepared six ways. They are fried, they are roasted, they are raw, they are seasoned with garlic. They are in any way imaginable. Does anybody do anything in the morning other than uh, then eat their fill and ready for their journey? Other than pray to my God. Yeah. Fair enough. So at breakfast, I hand him a note, which is essentially a, a loose contract that for services rendered in the planting of the four walnut seeds, he will provide to me scrolls of as many of those spells as he has access to and the materials needed to scribe them into my spell book. He'll look at it. I mean, okay. Do you really want to take the time to do this before you leave? I did this not is say it had to be done right, right now. Fair then. I will take the time to gather what you ask. And then when you return from the realm, we will discuss my success. Fair? Agreed. Excellent. I mean, he will roll the contract back up. He holds it over his head, over his right shoulder, and a spectral hand kind of swoops down, grabs it, and then flies off. So you have all been able to go ahead and take a long rest. You've regained any lost hit points, any lost spell expenditure, yada yada. And then after the feast in the morning, once you are ready, Zilvarin says that he will bring you to one of his wizards who can craft the portal where you need to go so that you can begin. Are there any further questions or anything further that I can do before you leave? Alarai will tentatively take his hand and look him dead in his eyes and say, 
On behalf of my village, I really and truly wanted to thank you for what you did all of those years ago. You really did save our fields, and we really do appreciate everything that you did for us. Thank you so much. Alarai, it was my pleasure to help a friend when they were in need. And he will escort you down the hallway to another room. And in this room, it's again, it's a stone room, all four walls, and it has just a stone archway in the middle. And as of right now, the stone archway, is just something that you could walk through. It's empty on both sides, everything like that. And there is a very well-adorned Eladrin in the room. He has blue robes with silver rifling through it and a large gold medallion around his neck. Zilvarin looks at you all and says, if you are ready, we will begin the ritual to open the portal. I'm not quite ready. Okay. Where's my longsword? Of course. And he calls down the hallway, basically, again, asking for the return of your weapon. And the, the blacksmith in the leather apron with the sooty face and the sooty clothes comes back. And the longsword seems expertly conditioned from when you gave it to Thanks. It may not be much use there, but I like to have it with me. A trusted weapon is not something to, uh, to look down upon. Anything else? Excellent, then. And he looks to the wizard in Sylvan, basically says, you may begin. And the wizard casts a ritual on the stone gateway. And like when they turned on the stargate, it's like there's a brief ripple and then an immense portal opens behind it. And the portal is uh, rife with ripples of shadow and dark energy uh it, it does radiate a sense of of necrotic energy yeah i wish you cool. all safety and speed kilvarch is going to look at all of them and say if i see you on the other side i see you if not till i see you again and he'll step through candy candy just steps through does anybody not walk through the portal Fabulous. i'm already gone good answer Colin. So much like when you opened the book and the world went to purple and you wound yourself up in another realm, the world goes to black. And it definitely is a cold, stoning black. You feel like you are in the presence of death. And when the black sort of fades and the world that you are uh, traveling to emerges, you are in... It doesn't feel like a very large area. It feels fairly small and compact. There is a kind of a barren plain. The dirt feels absolutely sterile as if it's been over farmed and uh, there's a wind that blows, kind of blowing dust around. Trees are bent and decrepit and off in the distance, a large building made of large slabs of stone. It looks like with a kind of a, a wrought iron gate at the front. It looks much like a mausoleum. It has a, there is a, it has that shape of like a mausoleum. There are statues kind of around it, including two <coughs> large gargoyles posed over the door. And it seems to be the only thing in the area. It's the only sort of outcropping. There is a there's a low 
kind of cold fog that kind of drifts across the ground. Not a pleasant place. And you are all there. I love it here already. (laughs) I do. Give the side eye. I love it here. Let's go check out that building. Yes, let's. Who's, uh, who's on lead? Candy? I'll bring my my owl back and put my hand on Kilvarix's shoulder and my eyes roll back into my head until you see just the pure whites. Yep. Okay, so you're flying the owl there? Yeah. So you're probably a good maybe quarter mile from the stone building as the owl takes off and it's nearing. Everything seems just positively deathly quiet. And as it flies by the mausoleum, I need it to give me a dexterity check. Oops, wrong guy. (laughs) <laughs> Almost rolled a d12. <laughs> I mean, you can if you'd like. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> that is going to be an 18. Cool. So as it flies towards the mausoleum, it's getting closer. Everything is still as night. And as soon as it flies over the gate, whether they have to take flight themselves or if they are within kind of swiping range of the owl, both of the gargoyles will slap at it. It will miss. If the owl flies away from their range, they will uh, return to their perch and go back into their uber-still position. But if the owl stays in the area, they will continue to harass it. I'll be relaying this as it's happening. It's like the crenellations are living. Gargoyles. Spiffy. I'm sure there will be other protections. And I'll kind of drop out and kind of come back to the group while and you know let the owl on free reign to kind of find its way back to us. That is what we are walking into. Do you think they're living? Yes. They are gargoyles. So Kilvaris will turn his spear right side up and get his shield onto his arm. I start <laughs> ripping the peace bonding off of my great sword. <laughs> Same yeah. on my sword. Gonna get, that, gonna get this new shiny sword <clears throat> warmed up. Yeah. Okay. Everybody ready? Let's go. If joining the Tabletop Journeys actual play games sounds like the kind of fun you're looking for, be sure to check out patreon.com slash ttjourneys, where patrons of the Tabletop Journeys podcast not only get early access to all of our episodes, but they get the opportunity to play in our monthly actual play games, where the dice are wild and we make every roll legendary. I would need initiative from everybody, please, because as you approach the mausoleum, the gargoyles will swoop down to defend. Holy crap! I cannot roll initiative to save my life. 18. One eight. 18 myself. 22.15. 
Okay, hold on one second. Uh, okay, Candy? 11. Okay, and... Plus six initiative. <laughs> and and here. 17. Okay. Kilvar only has a plus... Oh, I must have rolled a natural 20 then. Yeah, that was a natural 20. Nice. All right. So he has a plus two. <laughs> I got a 22. Uh, okay. Kess has stowed her longsword and has the new magic longsword out. Thinking Fighters. it will probably be more useful. Great. Okay. I think that is a perfectly valid conclusion. I guess I will stop preparing magic weapon. <laughs> do you need to know okay. about ducks for me and Alari? Or did you sort that out already? Who, who, who has the higher dexterity? I assume you cast, right? I have 20. Mine's 19. So yeah, you'll go first. Okay. Cool. All right. So you guys do your your mad dash towards the mausoleum. The gargoyles take flight from the mausoleum and land a good 50 feet from it in front of you. The first initiative belongs to Kilvarex. So Kilvarex is going to... uh, kind of keep everyone behind him and when he gets within range which is about 15 feet he is going to open his mouth wide and breathe instead of flying into his hand he is going to breathe a giant cone of fire and you will be able to hit both of them with the cones so roll roll your attack uh, i think it's a save but i gotta check i haven't used this yet so <laughs> deck save 14. deck save 14. okay Fail and a failure. It's two D ten. Well, it's a one and a. What's the second one? Uh, oh joy, a two. <laughs> three, three so points three. of damage. <laughs> Fabulous, excellent. But it looked cool. <laughs> you look really cool. I need to know two things that Cass mm-hmm. knows there in the scene, which are. How far from me are the gargoyles, and how far apart are they? They are 10 feet apart, and you are 20 feet from one and 35 feet from the other one. And so you, you are on the left-hand side, as always, kind of hanging to the left-hand side of the party. So the closer one, they're kind of in a line, just blasted them with his cone. But So there's one that's closer to you and one that's further away. So Kilvarex is how far from them? He was 10, 15 feet away from them. All right, so despite... Kilvarix's attempts to get out front and cover me, mm-hmm. I'm going to run another 10 feet, or I'm going to run up to the closer one. Yep. Right? And kick at it to distract it. Okay. So do a heel stomp on one of its feet. Okay. And then swing my longsword at it over its head. Fabulous. Okay. Roll your attack. So that gives me AC 20, which I'm going to need, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is the attack on its foot. A 17 to hit. That will hit. And that is seven points of damage. Okay. Its foot may not be happy. <laughs> no, indeed. And now I'm attempting to both scare it and hit it with the longsword. Right okay. In the head. So is it going to do a saving throw for the petrifying? It is immune to petrification. Uh, well, that's convenient. Imagine. That's 17 to hit. It's already stone. Also a hit. Yeah, exactly, right? Also a hit. And that would be uh, seven points of slashing damage. Okay, cool. 
and I draw into a guard. The so fool's guard this time. Sort on the ground so that I look vulnerable, but I'm not. So you definitely, you remember from when you swung against other enemies with your non-magical sword and how it didn't really seem to land? This sword definitely feels like it has landed much better than uh, than previously, so. Excellent. Next would be Alari. Alari will also run forward, and the one that Kess is next to, she's going to choose the opposite one. Okay. And she's got her new dagger out, but as she approaches, she's going to throw a psionic blade. Okay. So like halfway there, she'll throw a psionic blade and then continue moving forward. Fair enough. And that's a 24 to hit. Okay, 24 will definitely hit. Six. So that's 10 damage, and it's psychic damage if it matters. Okay, it, but no, but that's good. Say so it's so, not immune to psychic damage, so that does not matter. So she'll finish running up and then bonus action hit again, with, but with the, the new blade. Yep. And does... So I couldn't find that one. My regular daggers have a plus six with because of my proficiency and whatever. Okay. So I'm assuming that one would as well? Correct. Yep. Yeah, because okay. it, it's... Uh, exactly. It's no additional plus, but it was the same attack bonus. So that would be a 22 to hit. Yep, that'll definitely hit. And then my normal dagger is a 1d4 uh, plus four. Is that also a plus four then? Yes. So that would be eight damage... And these guys aren't an extra planar entity, yes? No? No, they are... No, they're not an extra planar. So that's all that means, right? What you told me earlier, extra planar pe- things can't get... They can't move within yeah, 10 feet of me. Yeah, basically, fey, fiends, and celestials, celestials can't be within 10 feet of you. And you mentioned if they get hit, but I didn't. you didn't really say what happens if they get hit. Right, so basically if you stab them and keep the dagger in them, then other fae, like, then fae's and fiends have to Uh, leave their area too. Got it, got it. Okay. I'm tracking now. Yep. And that is... That's my turn. Okay. Excellent. Next is Zir. I'm going to move up and engage the one uh probably going to be on my turn because that's quite a long distance. Uh, you're within one. I just put you back there just to go ahead and get out of oh, the way. Okay. It, uh, you'll be able to, you can get within range within, in one round. No worries. Okay. I'm going to engage the one that's in front of Alari. Alari. Okay. Cool. It, pull out the sexy new magic blade and see what that mm-hmm. does. I like it. Alright. Well, <laughs> it's not the blade's fault that I rolled a three. No, it's not. <laughs> But that will not hit. It may be. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it is. I told you, gifts from the Fey Man. (laughs) Okay, Cass, as you run up to attack, the gargoyle in front of you will attack. That is a 10, which will not hit. Cass dodges nimbly. Yep, and a 14, which I don't think will hit either. AC 20. Cass dodges again. Okay, dokie. Cool. Sweet. Then next is that Seval will run up behind you, Kess, after this worked so well last time. And again, you see his silvered pike shooting over your shoulder to hit the gargoyle. That will hit. I lent to one side. Yep. He will do 10 points of damage. 
And on his second attack. Ooh, his second attack, he rolls a natural one. Cass, I need you to roll me a d6. I rolled a one. Okay, cool. I rolled a four. So he didn't accidentally stab you. He just missed. So that's good. Okay. Uh, I shoot him another side eye. (laughs) Sorry. A candy. It's your turn. Oh, wait, I finally get to go? (laughs) How badly off do these two figures look? How much of a beating have they taken already? The one on the left has taken more of a beating than the one on the right. But neither of them seem particularly distraught. I am going to move up to the one on the right and position myself so that the other one is in a line with it. Okay, like that. Yes, I think so. Where did I hide your map again? There it is. Yes, there. Perfect. I am going to cast Tasha's Caustic Brew. (laughs) Excellent. And not nearly as much damage as I'd hoped, but they both need to give me a DC 14 dex save. Okay. That's a natural one, so he'll take double damage. And that's a three, so... So, both of them so fail. they take seven points of acid damage. Ooh! And they are okay. covered in acid, and will take an additional 2d4 acid damage at the beginning of each of their turns. No likey. Likey very much, thank you. Okay, so... Given, let's see, the other gargoyle and the other Aladrin go next. Oh, it can choose to use its action to wipe the acid off to stop the damage. It, as in like one of the gargoyles? Yes. Kess is taunting the gargoyle, trying to get it to attack her. Okay. What's your charisma? You want to just know the numeric score? It, I did, but it doesn't actually matter. So it is successfully taunted. <laughs> uh, so, so it will attack you. Is it the start of its turn? Wow, it is the start of its turn. And it's so going it, to take acid a, damage. Yep, how much acid damage? I'm rolling 2D- 2d4s right now. Three. Yep, three. Cool. I'm putting that d20 away since I can't roll anything above a five. Uh, Do you want to use the same three for the other gargoyle, or should I roll again? I'll use the same three for the other gargoyle when it comes around. Yep, and the other Aladrin now goes. uh, He will move up next to Triana, and he is going to try to attack both. So he gets two attacks. He's going to try to attack each one in succession. First one is a miss. Second one, that's a hit. And seven points of damage. Cool. Okay, so Zir, Alari, and Candy, I need a perception check, please. Four. I have 18. Cool. That would be uh, perception 13. Cool. You and Zir, as... The fighting is going on with the uh, the gargoyles. Notice from the ground outside the mausoleum, several beings are digging themselves out of the dirt. Oh, joy. Somebody needs to start singing spooky, scary skeletons <laughs> to inform the rest of us. If that, I can do it outside my turn. 
If I can do it outside my turn, I will definitely. Let's see who is next. That is the end of the uh, kill box. You are. You have the initiative, sir. Do I see the skeletons or no? You are like in the middle of the combat. That's why I didn't give you the perception check. Uh, you've been Fair. you've been busy doing Fair things. Enough. So yep. yep. So I'm going to attack the gargoyle in front of me. So I'm not going to be able to breathe because Kess is in the way. Mm-hmm. So. Does, it doesn't look like it's too damaged, does it? Actually, so especially now that it has taken the acid damage, both of them are did not like the acid whatsoever. So then instead of a big spell, I'm going to just firebolt and do the normal breathe into my hand and throw the one right in front of me. Sounds good. And probably miss because I got a 10. Mm-hmm. That will indeed miss. Pass. So I'm in melee range with both of them now, right? You are indeed. Correct. Right. So I am going to kick the one that Kilvarex just tried to, just to distract it. This is a sidekick since it's off to the side of me. And it's like the slamming sideways kind. Um, Just to try to knock it off balance. That's a 19 to hit. That will hit. Okay. And that would be uh, nine bludgeoning damage. So it was a pretty successful right. kick. That was a very successful kick. And then I'm swinging my sword up out from Fool's Guard um, to do a slashing sideways diagonal strike on the one in front of me. Mm-hmm. And that would be a 24 to hit. Absolutely a hit. I'm on a roll now. This sword is. Oh, this isn't the <laughs> Yeah, okay, so, and that does nine points of slashing damage. Okay. And I move myself up into Ox Guard so that I can hit the one beside me with the pommel if I need to. Fabulous. Love it. All right. All right, so, not knowing if I actually did it or not, I'm going to call out that I see these things there. Yep. I'm going to go in between the two gargoyles, some pity corner from the one gargoyle. Yes. And I'm going to attack that one with advantage because it's engaged with several of my friends. I like it. Get up. And if you can do 13 points of damage this turn, you will kill it. So that was... 13. That was 19 to hit. That will hit. Um, And it's well aware I'm there, so there's no sneak attack. Side. Sorry, what, why are you saying that there's no sneak attack? I mean, they're they're engaged. They, you have advantage. Oh, I do. So it, it is sneak attack because they're engaged with my friends. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, because sneak attack is a bad name for what it is. <laughs> yeah. So it's that and two of those. What it should just be called it? rogue magic or something. R- r- something exactly. Pfm. Yeah. Precise attack. Like sneaky attack or something like that. Vital strike. Right? So that's 15 damage, 1-5. Oh, excellent. So uh, explain to me how, how he dies. He, he's not facing me. He's engaged with everybody else, and I have no qualms about it. So I'm just going to shove that material dagger, not a psionic one, directly into his sho- between his shoulder blades. Fabulous. He falls apart, basically, into a pile of dust. That's easy for cleanup. And then I'm going to move that one step closer and engage the other one. Oh, I like that 15 a lot better. So that'll be a 21 to hit. 12 damage. Okay. 
that one also is turns into a pile of dust at your feet. And I am pleased, and but I leave the blade out because, as I said, there's guys. There's we got more coming. We got four more. And that's um, my turn. Nice, as, So as you take out the two the two gargoyles, a booming voice from inside kind of the 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 building here just calls enough and beyond the wrought iron gate of the stone building is a the only way to really describe them is an a undead looking uh, risen humanoid astride a large skeletal horse, probably 18 hands at the shoulder or beyond. The, the skeleton of a war horse. And he is wielding a large lance and he points it at you and says, Our sacred domain has been defiled already. Away with you. Is he speaking to us? Yes. Seems to be, yeah. I mean, he's waving his lance at you. <laughs> we did not instigate this. We defend our home. Did not realize that merely walking somewhere was a violent and aggressive action. The last time that someone merely walked here under a false banner of friendship, our mistress was struck down claim no banner of friendship, but I claimed no aggression either until provoked. There is no middle ground. What's that about your mistress? She's been struck down by those that we were too foolish to trust. Is she dead? You won't answer. How far away is he? He's like, so uh, he's like right inside the uh, the kind of the, that red area in front of you. That's kind of the building that was in front of you. Does she have a name? Mortals, you are in the realm of Ebitrea. I kind of look at Kilvarix and shrug. Kilvarix nods his head, and uh, they obviously are undead, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're oh, clearly yeah. undead. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Kilvarix nods his head and pulls out his symbol. Yeah. And starts oh. walking forward. I. Io compels you. Io tells you, leave this area. Be gone with you as he tries to turn them. Amazing. If he's right. within 15 feet of me, I cast Lightning Lure. You could easily sneak to be within 15 feet of him as he is kind of monologuing here. Kilvarix, I want you to give me, please, three level four. Okay, give me a charisma save, please. Let's see how effective this turn is. <laughs> I got a. That be based on his charisma save. It's equivalent to an attack. <laughs> so I got an eighteen, and I said it's a. I don't know what it is. Should be DC fourteen wisdom save, I think. Fabulous. Yep. Cool. Okay. So as you grab your holy symbol and hold it up, you feel this little tendril of hope. 
kind of weave its way through the great darkness that surrounds you and kind of fill you with the light and the joy of Io as through the gray, pallid clouds that obscure the sky, a little open, a little parting of them cracks through and a single sunbeam shines down from the heavens through the wrought iron gate to this area right in front of this white on his horse. His horse uh, bucks wildly and the white cowers in fear from the sunlight and backs into a corner out of your view and the ghouls that have started digging themselves out of the terrain around it quickly bury themselves back in, covering themselves with dirt. Smile smugly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and you guys don't sense any further movement or motion coming from inside the muscle. He he retreated? He has retreated, yay verily. Okay. That lash of electric energy falls short as he retreats, and it does not wrap around him or pull him to me. Correct. (laughs) Unless you want him to. (laughs) Kiss does another one of those big smiles. Yep. Okay, do you guys enter the mausoleum? Candy will go first. Okay. Is this the, does this look like the area that, uh, like, is this kind of what the acorn is leading us to? I mean, it is the only structure in the area. There was basically a, a, a vast, barren, nothing wasteland around you, other than this stone sarcophagus. Uh, okay. So. so then, I guess Candy wants to go first, but before he goes in, Kilvarks is going to put his hand on his shoulder and say, I will guide you as you go down these steps first, brave one. And then after he's done, he's like, that's weird, it wasn't Simeon this time. so candy you push open the wrought iron fence leading into the mausoleum and on the inside the only thing that you can describe is is a struggle there are like urns tipped over there are a couple of sarcophaguses with their lids pushed aside and what look like the fallen remains of skeletons all around uh, the inside of the mausoleum and at the back corner, a kind of withered, bony, long fingernails that are caked in yellow, hard grossness. It's a woman who has long, black, scraggly hair with a silver streak running through it. She's wearing tattered rags, and she is sprawled on the floor of the mausoleum and out of her chest is the the only way to describe it would be the underside of a tree it looks like you can see like the trunk coming out for about six or eight inches and then a vast system of roots that at this point have now spread out and are kind of also on the floor of the mausoleum but that is growing out of it it appears we are not the first to be tasked this way i'll kind of poke my toe at the body what part of her do you kick with your toe whatever's closest to me Okay, so you kick her left foot. That's fine. Um, and, like, her toe falls off. More just kind of tap it than, like, forcibly kick, but yeah. Yep. 
Nope, it just, whatever part you kind of nudge, falls off. And emits an odor. Oof. So, here's what I'm thinking. Someone got here first, but they're not the right people. Chop the tree down and plant the new acorn. Is this where the walnut wishes to be? Alaray holds it out. Let's ask it. How do you seek to ask the acorn? Whisper at it and go, where do you want to go, little guy? Give me a wisdom save, Alaray. That's only a plus one, so that's a twelve. Okay, so you, like, half-jokingly whisper to this little acorn, where do you want to go, little buddy? And as if traveling on the wind, in this very kind of spectral voice, I am the seed of sight. I can grant you eyes from away. Am I the only one who hears that? No, every, everybody kind of hears that kind of, again, so it's kind of this like spectral, wispy wind voice kind of blowing through the mausoleum. I can grant you eyes from what? I can grant you eyes from away. And an eye for an eye. An eye for an eye. You kind of hear that on the wind. Okay, then I'm going to say I think it needs to go in her skull in the eye. That does sound reasonable. I still think we need to chop this tree down first before planting the other one. I'll kind of reach my hand back. (laughs) Reach my hand back who has an axe. Who has an axe? (laughs) I can hit things really hard with a sword, but I don't have an axe. I was going to say, me too. A sword is awful to cut down a tree. I don't figure ahead. No, hold on. No. Kilvarix, as you are kind of investigating and kind of figure out what to do, you, one of your arms sort of brushes by one of the roots of the tree growing out of the hag, and as you do, you gain a vision, as if you are looking through, as if you're looking through the other half of this tree. Hold on, I'll, I'll wait for him to. There we go. As if you're looking through the other half of the tree, and so it's kind of like a, it's kind of like superimposed on the world that you're seeing right now, right? And the tree on the other side has these bright red fruit and verdant leaves and everything like that. And you see a familiar figure walk up to the tree and pick one of the apples, and then the mayor of Amshire takes this big bite of one of the apples and smiles broadly like the dopey person that he was and kind of walks off. This isn't this great. And then as you're watching, the old knight that guarded the front of the mayor's house in Amshire walks from some distance over towards the tree and slowly stares back at you through the tree and tilts his head to the side. Who are those people? If you're not touching the tree, you don't see it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Who are what people? So, but when you had just, described this was like the root ball, this is the underneath of the, the tree. Root, exactly. You're looking at the underside of the tree and what you see when you look through it is the other half of the tree. Okay. All you hear Kermak say is, yeah, this thing's gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to try to catch it on fire 
because yeah. he because no one else has a thing. So I'm trying to see if I have something better than. I could kick it, says Gus. Yep. <laughs> but fire would certainly work if you set it on fire; it will burn. Because it's growing out of her so, chest, Alari is gonna. If she can reckon, if she recognizes what he's about to do, she wants to run over as stinky as it is and grab her skull, her head, yep. to pull off so it doesn't burn. Give me a strength challenge. Is it like a straight roll or do you... Yeah, just like a a straight roll with your strength modifier. My strength modifier is zero. Mm -hmm. So it's a 19. Oh, okay. Yeah, you pull her head off. I pull her head off. (laughs) Yep. She bleeds a little bit. I I will cast green flame blade and I will hack at the tree with my greatsword. It will be no issue. Yeah, go ahead. Kovars is going to blow into his hand and look at it. And then look at the tree, and then drop the fire, let it dissipate, and just open his mouth and just breathe fire on the tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the tree will not resist in any great way. You are able to catch the root system on fire, and eventually it kind of, it burns away the entirety, the entire portion of the tree that you can see, and all that is left is uh, a large wound on the inside in the hag's chest and inside the like the walls of her heart are split open and a tiny uh walnut looking seed sits inside her heart step on the seed and squish it fair enough and then look at whoever alara i guess has the yep. and her head glance away okay. so does she actually have an eyeball in her socket yes in fact they're both staring at you right now <laughs> Lovely. Uh, do it. Twist right, it. Do, it. do I one eye in the eye, or do I pull an eye out? It said an eye for an eye. That means you pull out and put in, I believe. Or it could oh. be take that. It could be take Raising that, killed that, that <laughs> acorn out of her chest and put the fresh acorn in. I have an acorn. Right, but there's one in her chest too. Well, I think we should take that one out and leave it's it out. squished now. I thought that just got burned and squished. So the tree got burned and the acorn remained. And then Kilvarix squished it. Oh, okay. okay. So put, put the fresh one in, see what happens. So, for giggles, just to be safe, I'm going to choose an eyeball and just squish it into the eyeball, jelly and all. Oh, go. Cool. So you steal yourself up like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And you take the acorn and you smush it into her eye. And the skull in your hand, you feel it kind of start to ripple a little bit. And all of a sudden, like a stalk starts growing out of uh, the eye socket where you planted the acorn. All of a sudden it gets too heavy to hold. And so you put it down and... At the top of the neck. Much like, much like you saw before, it's like a tree growing backwards. You see a little bit of trunk start to come out and a root system start to emerge. And when you look down into it, you can see the room with the stone arch in the castle of the Silver Man through the trunk of the tree, as if this here is a portal that would take you back from where you were. Kilvarx looks around at everyone else and says, time to go, and jumps in. <laughs> Guess jumps okay. after him. And then Alari. Candy? I kind of look around and see that no one else is here. 
kind of <laughs> shrug to myself and like <sighs> step in. Mm-hmm.